And so, as I mentioned at the beginning of worship, we are in actually week four of five. It's hard to believe we're this far along already in this sermon series we're called, doing called Living the Dream. And if you haven't been with us for these weeks so far, DREAM is an acronym, each letter standing for something. And, and what it stands for are what I've called family disciplines, family practices, so that, again, we can be the disciples of Jesus in our homes. These are rhythms of our life that we want to live out. And so, so far, we've done the letter D for devotion, a daily rhythm of life. And last week, we talked about the letter R for rest, which is a weekly rhythm, taking time to rest and connect with God and with each other. We've also talked about E for Eucharist, because that also is a weekly rhythm, to be here and do what we're doing week after week, and let that be the center of our lives, just like it's the center letter in the Word. And today, it's ready, we're ready now for the letter A, and A is for action. Now, hopefully, as I talk about this a little bit, this is not really going to be a new idea for any of us. If we understand what Christianity is all about, the idea that we're supposed to put our faith into action, right? We kind of heard that through many of our readings. Paul said it in Galatians 5 this way. He said, you know what really matters? You know what really counts in life is your faith working itself out in love. But love isn't some kind of like, ooh, fuzzy feeling. And of course, love has to be more than our words. You can't just say, I love you, and then not act like it. Love is ultimately an action. I mean, look at God. The Scriptures say God is love. The invisible God is love. And what does He do? He acts on that love. He takes on our human flesh and blood, and He comes down to us. And yes, it's the things that Jesus said to us, right? It's what he taught us. But above all, it's what Jesus did for us. His action on that cross of offering that body and blood for our salvation. Look at that cross. We look at it every week, right? This is love. So in our Old Testament reading, the first one that I read for you, what God's doing is he's bemoaning how his people are coming to church. Now, church as in the Old Testament, it was called the temple. But they're coming to the temple and they're doing all the right things in worship. They're going through all the motions of worship. But they're not doing the right things in their lives. Now contrast that to the gospel reading, which I just read for you. There John tells us that the Father placed everything into the hands of Jesus. And what does Jesus do with those divine hands of his? Well, you heard it. He got down on his hands and his knees, and he washed the feet of his disciples. The God of the universe took his hands and washed their feet. And he says, this is what I've done as your teacher and your Lord. This is what you're supposed to do for each other. This is how you show your love. Your love is an action. And I love how that reading finished up. Jesus said, Blessed are you if you know these things. That's not what he said, is it? If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Do them. It has to be an action. In the same way, James was saying something very similar in that middle reading. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. He looks at himself 
And then he goes away at once and he forgets what he was like. Look in the mirror. I'm looking. I'm checking myself out. Looking good. Maybe not looking so good. Eh, whatever. But then walk away and forget what I look like. But we can hear the word. We can know the right answers. We can know the right thing to do, but not do it. Any of you have ever read Stephen Covey, kind of that leadership guru type of guy? He once said, to know and not to do is really to not know. In other words, it hasn't sunk down deep within you. The problem is, is I think, bottom line, we forget who we really are. The goal of being a disciple of Jesus Christ is to be who you really are. In other words, to be defined, to define your life by your relationship with Jesus. We're all looking for an identity. We're trying to all figure out, who am I? Especially some of the young people here, like, who am I? What am I like? We need to define ourselves in relationship with Jesus, and we then need to do the very same thing with our families. Become what you are as a family. What does that mean? I'm already a family. No, become a family. What is a family? talked about this a few weeks ago. A family is a community of persons, right? There's actually three spots in the family. There's the man, there's the woman, there's the children. And this reflects that in God, there's a three-in-oneness. There's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But this is one God that we believe in, bound together so closely by His very nature, which is love. And so this means that in the human family, what we are meant to experience is that divine love, what goes on in between the three members of the Holy Trinity, the love that they share with each other. Notice how in this icon, you see how every one of their heads are kind of like deferring to the other, humbly serving the other, to be completely selfless and self-giving. That's what we have a chance to do in our families. It has been said that the family is a school of deeper humanity. I love that. We're going to get a little philosophical here for a second. The school of deeper humanity. Our culture everywhere is trying to figure out what does it even mean to be a human being today? As Christians, we believe in a deeper humanity, a humanity that is defined, again, in relationship to God. Like how God is, this is how we are to be. We're to be this reflection, this image of him. That's the deeper humanity. But the school where you learn that is in your family. You learn how to love. You learn how to truly love in your family because you got to live with those people. And it's not always easy. Sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. But it's in the family that we learn to be truly selfless and self-giving and caring towards others. we got to learn how to love. And love is an action. we got to act out our faith. Now, by that, I don't mean acting as in You know, acting in a play or a musical, that's actually pretending, isn't it? Act as into the word actual lies. This is who I am, but I'm going to become who I am as a disciple of Jesus. This is my family. I'm going to become family. We are going to become love because we're going to act it out. He grew up loving baseball. His favorite team was the Chicago White Sox because in the 1950s, boy, this thing is not working good. Can you put the blank on for me there, Sarah? Thank you. The 1950s, you can go ahead and put that one up. 
he loved baseball because, and he loved the White Sox because they had some very, very good teams in the 1950s. Not so much these days, I know, but they were great in the 50s. And he grew up loving baseball. He grew up playing baseball. This is his high school picture. Played Little League too. Then got a chance to go on and play in college. And then he got a chance to live the dream. The offer to come and play for the Chicago White Sox, his team, in the minor leagues. That took him to a little town in Iowa. And there he met a girl, and they fell in love. And they got married. So he left baseball, decided, you know, I'm going to settle down now, raise a family. A few years later, a couple of boys were born. You see, there's a reason why, as bad as they are these days, I have to be a Chicago White Sox fan. (laughs) It's how my dad met my mom. You could say it's kind of how I got here, right? Sort of indirectly, but it's how I got here. A little bit after I was um, born, actually before I was born, my dad and my uncle started a business together. And they didn't have anything. I mean, they started from scratch. It was really, really tough. My mom would tell me later on that in those early days, he'd bring home the paycheck, she'd pay all the bills, and there were seven cents left over. That's it. And then they got a offered to make a big deal, a deal that would have been like that money train deal, right? It was going to really launch the business. But the guy making the deal with him wanted money under the table. And they really wrestled with it. They struggled with it because they had been struggling so much. And this is the chance to launch the business. This is a chance we could kind of start living the dream. Finally, isn't this why we're working so hard? Hey, and after all, doesn't this kind of thing happen in business all the time? You know, just a little bit of money here or there. Whatever. It's no big deal. Maybe just this one time, right? But they passed on the deal. Because you see, for my dad and for my uncle, their integrity was worth far more to them. And it took them a lot longer, but eventually that business did take off. They did very well. I think beyond probably their wildest dreams. But as I look back on that and I think about it, I think of the words of Jesus. If you know these things, if you know the right thing, then blessed are you if you do it. I actually didn't know this story until I was a grown man. Eventually, my mom told it to me. But you know what? I didn't need to know this story. This is who my dad is consistently. He's honest, he's hardworking, and he loves his family. Dad is a man of few words. If you've ever met my dad, they've been here many times, my folks. If you've ever met and tried to talk to my dad, he probably won't say much. He's really kind of shy. He's a man of few words. When my homilies get too long, that's my mother's DNA, okay? She's a woman of many words. Uh, But he's a man of very few words. He's a man of action. He didn't really grow up in the church. I mean, they were sort of loosely associated with the church. It's only when he was an adult that Jesus kind of got a hold of his heart. So by the time I was born, again, I don't remember never going to church. We always went to church. The only time I don't remember my dad coming to church with us is because he had thrown out his back and he could not get out of bed. Never was there a Sunday morning. You know, I've been working too hard this week. I'm too t- Never. We were always there. And I sat next to him, and my dad, every song he sings sounds the same. Uh, there's one note. That's every song. Uh, that's how it goes. But he kept on singing. 
because it's the right thing to do to sing praises to Jesus. And he knew his boys were watching. My dad has always been faithful to my mom. I mean, they would argue and fight. I think like every couple does one way or the other, but my dad was never too proud to admit when he was wrong and to ask for forgiveness. They both, they knew how to apologize and forgive each other and to kiss and make up. And he was very affectionate. My brother and I receive hugs and kisses to this day when we see him, hugs and kisses, even though that's not how he was raised and his folks were kind of of a different generation in a way of thinking on all of that. So the day came for me to become a pastor, and in the service where you're ordained as a pastor, there's this point where you need to be presented as a candidate for ordination. And I asked my dad to do the honors. And he immediately deflected and said, oh no, you know, your mom should do that. She's the one who taught you everything. And again, she was the talker. She was the one who talked to us about Jesus and talked to us about what we believe as Christians and as Lutherans, and she did all of that. But I looked at him and I said, but dad, you're the one who taught me how to be a man. You're the one who taught me how to be a disciple because it was what you did. It's what you did. Friends, the cliches are true, right? You know them. Actions speak louder than words. Maybe you've heard this one. Faith is caught more than it's taught. We know these things, (laughs) but are we doing them? Are we acting on our faith, acting it and living it out? Let me ask you this. If your home, your family, was a reality TV show, and they were following you around everywhere everywhere you went with a camera and taping it, what what would they see? (laughs) What would we get to see? Would you be washing each other's feet, like Jesus said? I don't mean literally washing each other's feet, but that kind of selfless service to each other. Are you acting out? Are you living your faith in your home? If you would ask my dad, if I could interview him here, he'd never do it, but if I could, and said, you know, Dad, what was it? He'd kind of probably shrug and say, I don't know. He would never think anything he ever did was extraordinary. And in a way, he's absolutely right. There were these great teaching moments, of course, but for the most part, it was just the ordinary, everyday way that he lived his life and that we lived our life together as a family. Yeah, it was what my mom and dad said and what they taught me, but more importantly is what they did that for me, and I will say this for my brother as well, that it instilled in us a relationship with Jesus. And for that, I am ever grateful. And I tell you this story this morning Not because, oh, I had the perfect family growing up. I did not grow up with Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, okay? We weren't perfect. Dad was not perfect. Mom was, I'm not perfect. That's not my point. But what I will tell you is this. I am who I am, for better or for worse. But especially that I know Jesus, because for my parents, love is an action. Jesus lived in them and does live in them. And that's why that little yellow house that I grew up in on Logan Avenue in Danville, Illinois, Jesus lived there. And for our mistakes and our failures and our shortcomings, there was tons of His grace and His forgiveness among us. And whatever good we did, whatever right we did, it was because Jesus was animating our actions. 
And that's who now I want to be. And I'm hoping that's why you're here. This is who you want to be. That we want to be disciples of Jesus, not in just saying it, but in actuality. We want to actualize our faith. And that this is what we want for our families, to become who we truly are, to be those little communities of faith that reflect the love that bounces around in who God is, that that's bouncing around at your house and in your home. Your heads are bowed to the other in service and humility and in love. And I hope nobody's sitting there right now and says, that's great, Pastor. You know, that's how you grew up. Fine. You have no idea how I grew up in that hell I went through. No, I don't. I'm st- and I'm sorry what happened. Or maybe you're sitting there right now saying, that sounds really great, but you know, that's not us. <laughs> That'll never be us. <laughs> you're kidding yourself. Please don't say that. I had somebody come up to me after church in the first service and told me a little bit of her background. It was terrible. I won't go into the details because it's her story to tell. But she said, but then Jesus got a hold of my life through a Lutheran school, in fact, and it changed me forever. Don't tell Jesus what he can't do. Dream. That's the whole point, friends. Dream. Don't say, well, this is what it was like or this is what it's like. No, dream of what it can be. Dream of who you can be. Dream of what your family can become. Don't tell Jesus what he can't do. You can't fix us, Jesus. He rose from the dead, people. He can fix your family. But you got to let him in. And that's hard work. you got to let him in and do that hard work on that heart. Maybe that's really hurt and it's really wounded. And you don't know what to do. But you got to let him into that. And you got to bring yourself and you got to bring your family to him. And lay it on this altar again and again and again. And say, Lord, make of us whatever you want to make of us. See, the dream is not your dream and my dream. The dream that we're talking about is actually his dream. It's his dream for you. It's his dream for your family. This is why he made you. This is why he gave you those people sitting next to you. He wants you to live this dream. It's his dream. And if you open yourself up to that, he has everything you need to live that dream. He has forgiveness for you. He has grace. He has second chances for you. He can heal those deep wounds within you. You are not stuck in the nightmares of the past. You're not stuck in the rut you feel like you're in right now. Dream, dream, and let Jesus live in you. Let Jesus live in your family. Brothers and sisters, become who you really are. Families of Trinity, become what you are. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them.